0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. In fact the only thing you'll love more than your iphone 10r is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan that's right get both unlimited and iphone 10r included for just 40 bucks a month sure you can get unlimited somewhere else but for the same price at t-mobile you get unlimited and iphone 10r join today and get iphone 10r included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today $30 for Essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with AutoPay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus 2084 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99,
1: 0% APR. How's it going everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Hardwood Knox. This is Adam Frommel here with Dan Favale and Andy Bailey. And today's topic of conversation is going to be the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Memphis is sort of an interesting team to me because they they they've stuck with the same core for so many years now. And in some ways it feels like they've reached their ceiling with the front court combination of Marcus Allen and Zach Randolph. But nonetheless, they're they're running it back this year one more time trying to improve on 55 wins from last season and remain sort of on that fringe of title contention so the, the natural first question to ask here and I'll, I'll direct this one to Dan is just do you think that they need to make any significant changes or is their current direction a, a feasible one
2: I mean their current direction is you know totally fine fall in love with it if you're totally okay with the idea of being fifth in the
0: iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile and there's a whole lot to love like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share Nice. and how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else but for the same price at T-Mobile you get unlimited and iPhone XR Join today and get iPhone 10R included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for 4 new lines. Call 1-800-T-Mobile or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with AutoPay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus 2084 per month for 36 months. Full price seven forty-nine
2: ninety-nine zero 0% APR. Western Conference every year. They need to make substantial changes. I get they were trying to do that when they acquired Jeff Green last year. I know Zach Lowe over at Grantland was talking about how Memphis really sniffed around at Daniil Gallinari hard uh, last season. They do need to make an acquisition like a Gal level player to be a legitimate uh, title contender in the threat. That borderline, I don't want to use star because Gal's not a star, but they need that guy who could stroke threes, space the floor up front, and sort of just be that spark that's something they haven't had even before Rudy Gay left. Like, it's just this offense isn't modern enough. It doesn't shoot threes. You're relying on these two guys in the post who are getting older. Again, Zebo and Gasol are good players, and Randolph's contract is a steal. But now you have a 30-year-old Mark Gasol under contract for five years. Randolph is getting older and approaching 35 himself. You know, Mike Cunley is fine, again, but he's not even a great three-point shooter. They need a more modern offense. The defense as we know it will always be good, if not great but the offense is always going to be mediocre at best, and that's a problem, especially in that high-octane West.
3: I agree with everything you said there. I think it's, I think they could be very content and very comfortable with continuing to roll with things as they are, and they'd probably still win 50 games the next two or three years, but not necessarily be great title contenders unless something breaks their way. Um, just to kind of... <laughs> They did make that Jeff Green acquisition, and we can maybe get into this a little bit more earlier. I might be kind of jumping the gun, but that was a complete backfire. Um,
1: the team What did they ne- give up for him? That's a good question. Somebody I uh, wasn't it like uh, centered around Tayshawn Prince?
2: Yeah, wasn't I? I think they gave up a first though, right? I think that was the thing that was bet no, they didn't. Was it? I don't think so. I'll look it up.
1: They, they uh, uh it was a three team trade. They parted with Tayshawn Prince and a future first round pick. Yeah, and then they also gave up Quincy Pondexter and a second round pick, and they added Russ Smith as well, who I don't think who is still on the roster. But I understood the deal at the time, and I
3: actually kind of liked it. Um, But Jeff Green has been a negative player on multiple teams over the last few years. Last season, he was when he was on the floor, the Grizzlies had a net rating of minus one, and when he was off, they had a net rating of plus eight point eight. He he just didn't fit what they were doing. I think they they wanted to add his shooting, but he's not efficient shooting that they added, and they had all summer to try and fix that. They didn't they didn't address that problem. I think somebody like Gallinari, like Dan mentioned, would make a lot of sense there. But that kind of move, it's
1: they're going to have to do something big, and and I just obviously they might not be willing to do that. I would love to be a fly on the wall in Memphis's front office the last couple months or. Even longer than that, because it seems like they're trying to make substantial changes, you know, with the Green acquisition and with seeing what they can do to get Gallinari. But when those, when those efforts fail, it's like they're doubling down on the current strategy. I mean, if you look at some of their recent young additions, like Jamichael Green and Jarnell Stokes, those are like carbon copies of Young Zeebo. Like they play the exact same way. So it, they're not trying to shift to these small ball lineups that, that are taking over the NBA. They, they think that what they're doing works but only after they try and make changes that, that don't. So it's, it's been a strange like sort of give and take for me.
2: Yeah, and there are stuff to like about them. I mean, if, if you look at having Matt Barnes, that should be good. Having Brandon Wright, that should be good. They do seem to be a tiny bit more athletic, a tiny bit more explosive, but it's never enough. And I know you're saying that they're trying to make these substantial changes. I almost feel like they're not trying hard enough. Like because Gallinari could have been had at the trade deadline last year, that was common knowledge. Wilson Chandler probably could have been had too, and he would have been a perfect fit. But you go out and you get a guy like Jeff Green. I never liked that trade just because of the future first-round pick. If it was just Prince and the second rounder and whatever else they had to give up, fine. But Jeff Green shot 31.4 percent on spot-up threes last year, and I'm willing to bet that that's on the high end for a guy like him. So they again, they need to make they need to take bigger risks. I even advocated. Over the offseason, it was very unpopular that it was time to part ways with either Zach Randolph or Marc Gasol. You try and trade one of them, they could have tried to negotiate a sign-and-trade with Marcus Gasol to get a little bit younger, a little bit more athletic, a little bit more modern.
1: I mean, right now, it feels like they're stuck because they have their core in place, and that's Conley, Randolph, and Gasol. But because those guys are making so much money and taking up so many touches and minutes, it's hard to, to make any substantial substantial changes. Now they drafted a guy like Jordan Adams. I think that was two years ago, and I really like his game. But he he never gets on the court because they're at the point where they're a really good team. I mean, we we need to mention that because they are going to win fifty games in the Western Conference. Uh, maybe maybe slightly short of that. I see the face Dan's making. But um, because of that, it's hard to justify putting a guy like Adams who needs some development into the lineup and actually letting him grow. So they're, they're stuck.
3: This has got to be, I would think, one of the hardest positions to be in if you're a general manager or working in a front office in any capacity. When you have a team that is that's really good, 50 wins in the NBA is a really good team, but sometimes you have to kind of ask yourself, is it good enough to get to the next tier where we can actually compete for a title, and if you're just banging your head against that wall for three or four years, uh, it might be time to start over as hard as that is when you have a fifty win team on your hands It, it might seem kind of crazy to and not necessarily start over but maybe make one or two big moves. Um, you know I just imagine that's that's something that's got to be really difficult for this front office to deal with
2: My whole thing with them is it's going to get harder for them to improve because of how expensive it's going to get just to maintain this team. Zach Randolph they'll probably part ways with after 2016-2017, but you have Mike Conley's going to be a free agent next year. Courtney Lee's going to be a free agent next year. Jeff Green, I assume they won't bring him back. He'll be a free agent. Matt Barnes will be a free agent. If they want to keep this team together, they're not going to have money to add anything else. And I'm just looking at their roster right now, and here's going to be a big thing for me. Of their 10 players that I'm going to predict, those are going to be their top 10 minutes getters for next season. How many of them are 25 or younger?
3: Is that some trivia? Yeah, I'm going to that's say, some, uh, is, is Brandon
1: Wright the only one? He might even be. I think he's probably
3: 26 or 27. I
2: think
1: he's 26,
2: yeah. Zero. Yeah. All of them are going to be 27 or older. Mike Cunley and Brandon Wright are the only ones who are under 29 in that 10 man group. And again, it was fine when Miami was on the older side, because you had guys like LeBron, James, and Chris Bosh. The Grizzlies don't have that conventional superstar, and I hate to take that away from Conley and Gasol, but we have to look at the facts. I mean, the Grizzlies, I don't know the numbers offhand, but they were barely better, if they were better at all, with Marcus Gasol on the defensive end last year. And that's your superstar. Uh, I, think, I
1: think part of that is just Jaeger's system, and it's going to make most front court players Okay, that, that's fine,
2: them. but he doesn't make your offense a lot better yeah. either. And that, that's going to be the, the issue here. So my question is, and I guess we're getting to this side of things a little bit early, but we've really circled around their roster pretty quickly. Is this a 50-win team next season? I know Bailey said something about two or three years. I personally do not think maybe they'll get to 50 next year. I think it's going to be a fight. I wouldn't be surprised, and I almost expect them to win less because I'm just looking at the changing landscape in the Western Conference. I don't see the Grizzlies as this perennial 50-win team anymore.
3: Before I answer that question, I want to um answer a point you made. So this this surprised me when I looked it up. The Grizzlies' defensive rating when Gasol was on the floor last season was 101.9, kind of middle of the pack um, for the NBA. Actually, it's probably a little bit towards the front. No, but middle. Yeah, I mean it's it's probably in the top upper half. 12. Yeah. Anyway, when he was off the floor, their defensive rating was 95.8.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's the sample size to consider because he's but on that's, the floor. That's a huge gap, though. No, that, that's a huge drop. And I mean, Adam, you know, you can credit Dave Yoger really for that system, but th- if that's your best player, like that's not great. And just for the record, um, if they had a defensive rating of 101.2, that would have put them outside the top 10. And that, again, that's fine, but you know, if defense is your identity, outside the top 10 isn't great.
1: I mean, the thing for me with this team is is, it's like the prototypical high-floor, low-ceiling team. I can't see them winning many games fewer than 50 uh, for the next couple of years just because they know exactly who they are. They don't have to go through that trial-and-error period because they have the established guys. They have continuity. They they have chemistry. And that really helps, and, and we can't undersell that. But at the same time, I mean kind of furthering what Dan said earlier about the ages. If you look at the rotation guys here, who has any upside? You know, you can you can say that Stokes and Green do in the front court and Jarell Martin and maybe Brandon Wright, but they're not going to be superstars. It's there's there's not that that Brandon. one player who can break out and take this team to the next level.
2: Brandon Wright is probably their highest upside player in terms of looking at the big picture. Like, is he actually going to play? Because I would, I would, wouldn't hesitate to say Jordan Adams. I really like him as well, but he's. Never I'm going to say Stokes. Actually,
1: I really uh, like his game.
2: Never going to see the floor though. That that's my thing. Yeah, I don't so, think he's going to play either. Yeah, so I, I guess that would be um, the uh, b- biggest thing for me. And I actually had a point to make, and it just slipped my mind. So we're we're going to have to move on. Adam was talking about something that triggered it, and then he so, went. Uh, right mm-hmm. into the upsides. He
3: did mention, uh, and I think all three of us kind of agree that Brandon Wright might have the most
1: upside. He's 27.
2: Yeah, well, that's... Like, a-
1: <laughs> but he and the other- he feels like a young 27 just because he's never played big minutes. He's always Agreed. been that, that guy who posts ridiculous player efficiency ratings, but in small samples. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He's always been a really good rim protector, too. Mm-hmm. I do kind of remember what I was going to say now. Uh, to Adam, I like what he said about them being that prototypical high-floor, low-ceiling team. I am wondering, they looked, and I know Golden State is an exception to everything, but the Warriors sort of set the blueprint to not just beat the Grizzlies, but destroy them. Like How many
1: teams have the ability to actually do what they did, though? Because when, I mean, like you're about to say how Andrew Bogut guarded Tony Allen, but everybody else on Golden State was able to pick up the slack, and they have so many shooters. So I don't know how... Less skilled teams are going to be able to do
2: that. I think most teams that have some semblance where they can plug between where they can put three or four shooters on the floor can really destroy the Grizzlies. I think the reflexive reaction when you face Memphis over the past few years has been even if you go small, you try and go big to combat that front court. I think we're going to see a lot more. And again, I think you're right. The Warriors are just on a different level than everybody else. But I think as we move forward, we're going to see a lot more of the Grizzlies having to adjust to the way other teams are playing and they're not built to do that
1: i don't think either of us are going to convince each other on this one because for me i think teams are going to try and do that early in the season it's not going to work and they're going to stop
2: no it's going to work so we'll we'll (laughs) circle back on this one it's going to work
1: i actually i think this is going to happen to a lot of teams that still
3: embrace like a traditional two guys down low front court uh and I we've been saying this for a couple of years and it hasn't happened quite yet, but I think a lot of these teams that have the ability to go small and put four guys on the floor who can switch one through four. Um, I think they may start to be able to run guys like Gasol or not Gasol, uh, like Randolph off the floor. And especially in Randolph's case, cause he is in his mid 30. to late thirties. Um, so, and I, 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 kind of caution myself on this because last summer i predicted that they'd be the western conference team that could fall out of the playoffs and of course they won 55 games and they were pretty much the same team as they were the year before but i i think this every year i think they might be too old they might start to fall off a little bit and i i think the same thing right now
1: so how many wins do we think they get
2: adam looks like he's feeling lonely on that side of the optimism for the Grizzlies. I'm used um, to it. I'm always optimistic. I'm gonna put their ceiling, I'm gonna put their ceiling at fifty-one. I'm gonna and that's a firm ceiling. If they get if they get more than fifty-one, I will be genuinely out of my mind shock.
3: <laughs> well, I'm gonna say fifty-three then, just hoping for the genuine out of your mind shock.
2: You just price is right in me.
1: I'm gonna do the worst thing you can possibly do in price is right and say fifty-two.
3: Oh, okay. <laughs>
2: Adam just lost.
1: (laughs) Unless they get exactly 52, in which case I just look like a genius.
2: Yeah, I mean, you'll you'll look like a stud if that does happen. But I'm I'm always hesitant, like Bailey was saying, to doubt these teams that are getting older. But the Grizzlies aren't the Spurs. They can't run those dual big lineups and know that, hey, Tim Duncan can still shoot 20-footers. Or now Lamarcus Aldridge, even he shoots three-pointers. So uh, that's just the thing for me is I don't think they're modern enough And to win a championship, I do think that you need to be a balanced team. And the Grizzlies will always trend on the defensive side hard because their offense isn't good enough. And I think we saw their defense regress a little bit last year. So if you're not going to have that top five defensive unit to rely on, and maybe they get back there this year. But if you're not going to have that, how do you win 50 games in the Western Conference? It's just, again, next year— if you guys want to say it probably happens that fine, but just looking beyond next year, I don't see how there's still that consistently fifty win fringe contender
3: yeah, i don't i I would actually agree with you that beyond this year because like I said, every year, I feel like age is going to catch up to them, and so if it doesn't this summer, it's more likely to next summer. I, they have a very short window, and that's why I go back to what I said earlier that they might need to make a drastic change, but I think as constructed right now. It's, it's still not crazy to think that they're a 50 win team again.
2: So, I guess here's a good question. What's it going to take for them to obliterate our expectations? You know, even Adam, who seemed to fall on the more optimistic side, was pretty. They're, they're not going to.
1: <laughs> I mean, unless, seriously, unless unless they make a gigantic trade at the deadline.
2: So, that's what we've just settled on. It's that they have to get like a Gallo like player. With this, not enough.
1: I don't think even a Gallo like player. I think. Without completely blowing it up and changing their scheme, that they they're capped out, you know. Like I said, high floor, low ceiling. You know, I I think they're going to be better than you do, Dan. But even then, I, I would be shocked by fifty five wins.
2: What about uh, you, Bales? You see, is it anything? It has to be a blockbuster, I guess. Yeah, I would I
3: would have to because their identity has been established over the last two or three years, and I, I can't really imagine this team doing anything different than what they've already shown us.
1: I mean, barring injuries, I think this is one of the teams where, in the last couple of years, really, where I would feel most confident having to, to pinpoint their wins within, like, a five-win range.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good call. I think you could probably firmly put them in that 48-53 to 53 category and know that they're they're 50, not. 55. No, 48-53 <laughs> for me. Forget that. But now that we are done railing against the Grizzlies, I kind of smell... Yes, it is once again time for What Burns My Bacon, and we will be handing the bacon-flavored talking stick to Adam Frommel this time around.
1: You know, while while we're recording this podcast, it's a it's a Saturday and there's college football on, and it's unbelievable how many top-notch schools are playing cupcakes. You know, like Georgia just finished beating Southern University 48 to 6. Ohio State's kicking off against Western Michigan. And the thing is, like, I get the need to have one or two preseason games mixed in with your schedule for these power conference teams. But like Ohio State has played Northern Illinois and Hawaii the last two weeks. Georgia already played Louisiana Monroe and Vanderbilt probably counts as a cupcake as well. And there's just there's too many of these. You know, we don't we don't need to see the ridiculous blowouts. It's it's one thing if you're playing a prolonged schedule. Where you still have a chance to play all the top-notch schools and other conferences, but a college football schedule lasts twelve games. So for a team like Ohio State, that's literally a quarter of their schedule is coming against complete pushovers. And I just I wish that the teams had the courage to to make harder scheduling choices and test themselves and show their true capabilities to the country.
3: Well,
2: I that was like a mic drop. <laughs>
3: that, well, that's our second mic drop of the day, then. Um, at or Dan had one earlier. I go to law school, as you guys know, but our listeners probably don't. At Wyoming, that would be like the ultimate cupcake for these teams to schedule.
1: And they probably would.
3: <laughs> so we're zero and three right now, and it's the, the just started the second quarter. They're down fourteen to zero.
1: I mean mean, to some extent it makes sense like because these schools are paying the smaller schools money to come play and to just get an easy win but it's and I'm fine with that once or maybe twice it's just it's too much of the schedule now
2: I I almost think I don't want to get too profound on this but that's just the problem with people in general who really looks to challenge themselves enough you always want to take what's the sure thing or what you think is going to get you where you want to go the easiest and so making these schedules is just sort of like that would be the comparison. I totally agree. I think it's good for competition. I do like the cupcake games for the smaller schools sometimes because I've always been a guy in pickup basketball, pick-up football. I want to get my ass beat. I want someone to make me work, and I think that's a good learning experience. But for the other side, it's probably not that valuable.
1: And, and you know, to be fair, there are occasionally games. Like this season, we saw Auburn play Jacksonville State, and they needed that last-minute that last comeback to win, and that would have been a historic upset. We get games like Michigan and Appalachian state, but those are too few and far between to really justify what's happening. And unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see a major change until the, the bowl committee starts implementing strength of schedule even more than it already does. I agree. (laughs) And
3: I would like to encourage Dan to take that analogy and, and lead off whatever Ted talk he gives in the next few years. We all got to (laughs) challenge ourselves more. Um, That'll wrap up this edition of Hardwood Knox. If you guys can all smell uh, Adam's bacon, you can talk to him about it on Twitter at Frommel09, 9 or you can talk him about the Grizzlies or whatever else uh, tickles your fancy. Um, you can find Dan on Twitter as well. He's at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey, and all three of us are at Hardwood Knox. You can find us at any of those handles. Uh, Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us five stars or whatever amount of stars you feel we deserve. Subscribe to us. Even six if
1: you want. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Figure out a way to do six. I think iTunes would bump us up the charts if you did that. Um, (laughs) If you don't have iTunes, you can also find us on Stitcher. And we really appreciate you guys tuning in. And until next time, and I can't believe we didn't mention him in this episode. Oh, my gosh. Shout (laughs) out to Bino Udry. The best backup point guard
2: in the NBA. Who's headed for a Trey Burke-like year? (laughs) Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone
0: 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile Phone offer requires porting of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings. A four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.